If you wouldn't like a Bible and you haven't got one with you, put your hand up, uh, because uh, throughout the service, um, we're going to be talking about the presence and power of the Holy Spirit when we're reading the Word of God. And at the end, it'd be great if you've got a Bible with you, or you're going to get one, that you ask God while I'm preaching, you can sort of try and um, do both, um, and ask God to see if, he's, if, if he can just give you a verse or a passage. And uh, Because I believe God speaks uh, today. He speaks through his word, among other ways. And uh, it might not be for, for uh, this morning. It might be for another time. But it'd be great to give space. Uh, if we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, remember last week, we don't want to just learn how to drive a car. We've got to get in and start the ignition. Otherwise, we've got a lot of knowledge and no action. And the same with the third person in the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit who's living within us if we're a Christian, we've asked him to come in, and who guides us and leads us in many different ways. And I'd encourage you as time goes on, Bernard mentioned at the church meeting on Wednesday that we'll be kind of changing the way that Bibles are given out. So we won't be doing this, which, which I have to then preamble a while while the Bibles get given out. But you'll get an opportunity to be given one as you walk in. But I'd encourage you to have your own Bible and uh, bring it with you. Uh, I, 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 if I don't bring my Bible, I grab one at the back when I first come into a church. Um, I scribble in my own Bible. You'll be pleased to know I don't scribble in the church Bibles. So that's why I say bring your own, because sometimes during a service, whoever's preaching, it might be the worst sermon ever, but God the Holy Spirit will illuminate something and give it to you and you know, just underline it and make a note and trust that God is speaking to you, because he does. He's a supernatural work of God, the way he speaks to us, um, in the Bible. So we're going to look at uh, just some words of Jesus from John chapter 16. So if you are using the church Bible, that's on page 1084. John chapter 16, I'm going to work, uh, read from verse 5 uh, down to 15. And it's Jesus himself talking about the giving of the Holy Spirit and some of the things that he does. And we'll just use that uh, to uh, find our way uh, talking about the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. So John 16 from verse 5. And these are words of Jesus. Now I'm going to him who sent me. Yet none of you ask me, where are you going? Because I've said these things, you are filled with grief. But I tell you the truth. It is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the counsellor will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world of guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. In regard to righteousness, because I am going to the Father, where you can see me no longer. And in regard to judgment, because the prince of this world now stands condemned. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will bring glory to me by taking from what is mine and making it known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will take from what is mine and make it known to you. So I guess we all uh, keep a careful eye on the company we keep. When I first started uh, Broken in the city, um, I wasn't a trader, I was a telex operator. Remember telex opera operators? You know, it was before email and internet and you had to confirm trades and I'd, I'd type on this telex. Now I've got quite good 
uh, typing. The traders would do the trade and I would do the typing. And I wanted to be like them, you see. And I kind of, I, like, I love their confidence. I wasn't very confident and they seemed to be very confident. Even if they got a trade wrong and lost money, uh, they seemed to be able to put it behind them. So well, we can't change that. Can't change the past. I can only concentrate on the next trades. But I looked at them and thought, what are their characteristics? And there were two, and a little bit of alliteration. It wasn't intended, it's just how I've written it. There was confidence, and there was commitment. They really had to know their stuff. They were trading in shares, they had to know all the information about them, but they were confident and they, were, they had commitment. And I resolved then that I would try and do the same. I'd try and cultivate that confidence and that uh, commitment. And then when I became a Christian, years and years later, uh, I found myself doing the same. I didn't really know what I was doing. I had so much to learn, I still have. But so I'd immerse myself in Christian books, uh, in the Bible. I'd look at other leaders, people that I looked at and thought, well, I admired them. And I'd see their, what they did and their personality and the way they were and the way they uh, handled things. Um, I wanted to learn, so I looked at them to see, well, how are they doing it? And I wanted to be like them. And the best, one of the best ways we can get to know someone better is to look at the actions and works they do. It's funny, isn't it? I can, uh, Andrew's not here. Uh, she, I mean, my daughter went on holiday, because uh, we're talking about holidays. This is not in my notes. Uh, my daughter went there Saturday. My wife's gone there this morning. I'm going tomorrow. There are no problems in our family. I'm not, I'm not sure why it worked out that way. We're all travelling separate days. But Andrea, um, I always know who she's seen, because she talks a little bit like them. And I say, oh, you've been with so-and-so today. And she said, how do you know that? So because you've come there, I know their, their phrases that they say, and I can pick up on it. And the fact is that when we want to learn about someone or get to know someone better, uh, we look at them, we spend time with them, and uh, we cultivate the relationship as well. In this passage that we've read, Jesus says that the Holy Spirit, verse 13, will guide you into all truth. But basically, the more we know him, he's going to guide us. And so as we embrace, and we're on this series of talking about the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, the supernatural part of God that comes and lives within us and, and, and changes us from the inside, he does lots of other things. And we're talking this morning particularly about what he does with us and the Word of God. What makes this, this collection of 66 books come alive to us? What makes it speak to us? And it's the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, it's wooden, it's dull, you're not getting much out of it. With the Holy Spirit, it's everything. It comes alive. It's truth. So as we embrace this Spirit-filled life, as we cultivate it, as we spend time with God, the Holy Spirit, faith becomes alive. It's not dull and it's not wooden. As you open your hearts and minds, and I'm going to ask you to do that today. Many of you do it already, but if you don't, or maybe you've got a bit stale, just open. Be asking God right now to speak to you through his word and with the use of his Holy Spirit. As we cultivate that uh, relationship, we'll see the Holy Spirit move powerfully among us. So this morning, as I say, we're talking about the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, the Bible. Why am I talking about that? It's possible, uh, in my experience, to know the Word of the Lord, but not to know the Lord of the Word. We can read about God, or Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and we can know all about him, but we've got to know him. Because otherwise, as I've said, it's the Bible can be wooden and dull. We're not really making much sense of it. And sometimes we do need help, but generally we want it to come alive with us. We don't want it just to be a set of rules and regulations. It, along with the Holy Spirit's illumination, it's exciting. It's a life worth living. And we can look at it and we can, we've got the world and all their stuff they're telling us, but we go back to the Word of God, trusting in your Word, trusting 
in your cross, like the song that we sing. It's no longer wooden and dull. It's no longer a set of rules and regulations. It is with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Exciting, trustworthy, he'll guide us. That's when he says the counsellor will come. He guides us, he counsels us, shows direction, God is speaking. And so who wouldn't want to know that? And yet there seems to be a dearth of, of anticipation and passion to get into the word of God. Yet it really is God's word to us. Jesus, when he spoke about it, would say, God said. When it was written, he might have said it's written, but sometimes he would say, God said, and he would quote the Bible. He believed it to be, when he was quoting the Old Testament, God's word uh, to his people. God speaks. And then when we recognise that, it's exciting, and we're enthusiastic, we're going to want to read it, because if we come expecting, and we've asked God to speak to us, through whatever passage it is, he will. There'll be something in there, illuminating, and that's when you underline it or make a note, and you know that God is speaking. It really does become, like the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.12, it's living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword. I remember the first, first time I heard that, and uh, it transformed my word-filled life. I'd been reading the Bible, um, I found it quite tough. Uh, sometimes I, I did it as a duty, sometimes I still do, not every day I, I wake up and say, yes, you know, let's get the Bible out. But most of the time, I I long to get into it because I believe that God is going to speak to me. And when I was taught this, it transformed my devotional life. Why wouldn't I want to hear God's voice through the Bible? I remember hearing it that first time, and I thought, right, I'm going to go to, to the Bible. I didn't do one of those kind of just open it wherever it is because, you know, it might come out on... Um, Judas hanged himself, and then you try again. It says you can go and do likewise. You can get the wrong, you can get the wrong uh, passages. We don't want to do that. We have to come to it with an open mind, an open heart, trusting. And I remember coming expectantly. I said, God, if you, if you're, I know you're real, but if you really do do this, can you start doing it with me? And it was a simple prayer like that. But I really expected Him to do it, and there began a relationship for, with God in, in many other ways, but one of the major ways through His Word. I asked God to speak. And God spoke. And what I want to encourage you, as spirit-filled believers, cultivating your spirit-filled life, is ask God to speak to you through the Bible. Don't just learn it, although that's good. Ask him to speak to you through it. And he will. And that's exciting. And if you think it's something that's for the church, or you think it'll edify, then, then quote scripture. We often do in the evening services. We don't do it as much in the morning services, but there will be opportunity later on. So be opening your Bibles and try and listen to me and listen to God at the same time. I would say that he's much more important than me, so if you do think he's talking to you, write it down, share it later. That's good. God speaks. It becomes a living, active, sharper than a double-edged sword. One of the first times uh, for me that happened, I got very excited. It, it was happening a bit devotionally. I'm not sure if I've shared this before, but I was in India and Pren. Uh, one of the pastors came up to me just as I was leaving and um, he said, uh, I've got these, this word for you and it's from the word of God. And I said, okay, you know, and I was quite, I wouldn't say flippant, I just thought, that's nice. And it was the call of Jeremiah. And I've got to tell you, over the years, it's come back to me again and again and again. And this call is for Jeremiah. It's not for me, but at that time, it meant a huge amount and it got confirmed. It got confirmed at college. It's been confirmed in my ministry. If I'm feeling low, people come up to me and say, you know, Jeremiah... Uh, 1, 4 to 10. And it was just that God, it was like he was underlining it for me at that time. And he said, the word of the Lord came to me. And at the time, I was, I was very young in my faith and exploring a call to ministry. And I wasn't sure, surely God wouldn't call me. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 
And my heart was this. This is what Jeremiah said, and I can kind of identify with him. Sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I'm too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. And the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and to tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build up and to plant. Now, I'm not in the business of destroying nations and overthrowing governments and anything like that, but, but, but I'm in the business of overthrowing the evil one in Christ's name. And God has appointed me, and he's appointed you as well, to be part of that. And it's an amazing privilege, and, the, and, and one of the weapons is the word of God in the power of the Spirit, the sword of the Spirit. So when I was called to be a leader and in ministry, um, I can look at that verse, and sometimes I might think, well, what right have I got? But if God's called, I go back to those verses, and I say, well, I have to lead, and I have to have confidence, because I believe God is speaking. I believe he's speaking to us as a church uh, now. It was God, and it was his word, and it was his call. I go back to it again and again. And I, I just want you to, the reason I'm saying that is not for any kind of self grandizing it's, it's, it's that God it starts with God. He speaks through his word. And we've just got to ask him and accept it and underline it. Uh, accept it. Ask now while you're sitting there, God, to speak to you through his word, either some of the verses that I'm going to say or as you've got your Bible open. Ask him, the Holy Spirit, to illuminate and for God to speak to you through his word. And listen and trust it and maybe be willing to share it. And that's when we bring the word and the spirit together. Fantastic. Do you know, um, you know where the Psalms are? They're in the Old Testament. Um, they're easy to find. There's a lot of them. Do you know what the first word in the first Psalm is? Blessed. Who's that? Who, got, who can go top of the class? Blessed. Blessed. Now, we, want, we all want to be blessed, right? And it goes on to say in that first Psalm, it says, you're blessed as you delight in the law of the Lord. Now, I want to be blessed. And God is saying, if I delight in his word, he's going to bless me. And we can delight ourselves with so many different things, with magazines and how I should look, uh, what suit I'm wearing, uh, what version of the Bible. Lots of things I can talk about. If I really want to be blessed, God says, delight in my word and I will bless you. Because the noises from outside are too great. Delight in my word and I will bless you. And it's because he blesses us because the Bible speaks. It's not just about knowledge. He speaks to us and it becomes a delight. When God speaks through his word, which he does, I'm delighted. It's great and I'm blessed. He talks about the law, the Bible, becoming a delight. And he goes on to say meditating on it day and night. It's a lifestyle. Why is it a delight? It's really unique. Uh, this uh, collection of books is banned in many countries. Uh, it's very popular uh, they estimate around, 40, I don't know who they are, but the latest survey is 44 million Bibles are sold every year. Uh, just under seven in each American household. I couldn't find a figure uh, for the UK. So it's really popular, it's really powerful. That's why some countries do ban it. Because it's the truth, it points to a person who's the truth, Jesus himself. Stanley Baldwin in 1928, who's the Prime Minister, uh, said, the Bible is like a high explosive it changes lives. And it's uniquely precious. You know, we, can, we take it for granted, I think. You know, people in many countries would uh, literally risk their lives just to have this 
or a portion of it. People in countries where they're persecuted really do learn it so that when they're put in prison, they take their Bibles away, but they've got it in their mind, and God speaks to them through it. It's a delight to them. It's really precious. It's a manual for life. It's a way of life. God has spoken, and and Jesus said in, in answer to a question, people do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, in Matthew 4, verse 4. And, you know, that, that, uh, that verse is written in what I call the present tense. It could read uh, that uh, we live on every word that continually comes out of the mouth of God. God is still speaking. That is the written word. He speaks through it. When Paul speaks to a young pastor in Ephesus called Timothy, he says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the person of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. In a culture that's trying to redefine itself, God speaks to us. And Paul's words echo in our ears as much as they did in Timothy. Timothy. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness so that you can be equipped to go out into the world. The Bible is truth. It gets attacked. It's not been found wanting. In fact, as uh, more and more evidence of things that the Bible talk about come to light, it really is getting backed up. The Bible is the truth. Jesus is the truth. And he's the only truth. All scripture is God-breathed. All of it. God-breathed. It's God the Holy Spirit still breathes life into these words. And it's only when you're in the word and asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate it that you begin to recognise that. And it's alive with the Holy Spirit. The Bible talks about it's useful for salvation. You know, if we don't tell people the word of God and the truth of God, how do they know they need to be saved? Paul said elsewhere in Romans 1, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And we use this, this is the, the formula we use on Alpha, a course that we run here. You can come on it if you want. Uh, but it talks about how, uh, what we believe as Christians and how you can have faith. Alpha means beginning. And for many people, it's the beginning of their journey. And this is as heavy use of this. It's not ashamed of the gospel. It preaches good news. It's the power of God. I, I teach Alpha. They're just words. But with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God together, people become Christians. And every conversion is a miracle. Every conversion. And when I first heard that, I had to trust the Word of God. And when I came to Paul later on in Romans, in chapter 3, verse 23, because I thought I was a reasonably good person. Maybe you're sitting there thinking you're a reasonably good person. You probably are. But the issue is the Word of God, illuminated by the Spirit, says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I can't, not, it's not enough just to be a good person. I have to be perfect. And I know I'm not perfect, and I know you're not. But Jesus is. And so as I read the Bible, it's, it's, and it becomes alive by the Spirit, I recognise it for salvation's purposes because it converts people with the Spirit of God reaching to people's hearts and the Word of God speaking truth. They can't say, I help all the people across the road, or I don't swear, or I don't drink, or I don't take drugs, or womanise, or gamble, or anything else. You know, well done, but it's not enough. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You might be sitting here this morning thinking, I'm okay, God will be lucky to have me, but it doesn't work like that. Jesus died on the cross for me and for you. 
And the world will say all roads lead to God, but they don't. He says, I'm the only way. So I'm the tr- way, the truth, and the life. That's what the word of God says that we're saying we trust in. So if it's true, I've got to come to him. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And maybe some people here today that that's the word of God now being spoken right to you. And Jesus said, I didn't come into the world to condemn it, I came to save it. And so if that is you, he'll save you this morning. You just have to ask him for forgiveness and ask him into your life. And the Holy Spirit comes in and starts to change you from within. What an exciting journey. So he gives us salvation. He gives us direction. Romans 12 verse 2, with with Paul still, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing and perfect will. How? Well, God's given us his word. Bernard thanked God earlier in his prayers that it's been passed down to us generation to generation. It's been proved to be correct. People have been trying to disprove this for years. They haven't done it. They've been trying to find Jesus' body for years. They won't find it. It's not there. He's risen and he has spoken and he gave due honour to the word of God and so should we. So how do we know what his good, pleasing and perfect will is? We get into the word of God and we ask the Holy Spirit to illuminate it to us through consistent reading, openness to what the Spirit is saying or leading us. And it includes reading the Bible. It's the Holy Spirit, Spirit who brings revelation of who God is. He convicts us and sometimes the world of its guilt in regard to sin and righteousness and judgment, which we read. It draws people in. It recognises, they recognise their need from God speaking to them through the word. I can discern what God wants for my life, not what I think's best or the world thinks best or other people's thinks best. What does God want? It was the Holy Spirit who inspired the writing of the Bible, bringing revelations of God's will and purposes on the hearts and minds of people. So surely we need the Holy Spirit to help us interpret it. That's why we believe the Bible is the very word of God being spoken to us. It's fully sufficient in every generation to talk about God's nature nature and actions and how we understand and how it's revealed to us. It's the foundation that helps us to become fully trained, to be more like Jesus, mature in a life that's worthy as followers of Jesus. In the same verse 13, the passage we read, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. The world is confused. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He says he's going to send us the counsellor who will lead us into all truth. And the Bible, the word of God, was written by the inspiration of the spirit. To fully understand it, we need his revelation that really only he can bring. We need to be spirit-filled believers and spirit-filled church to, to acknowledge a spirit-filled, guided Bible. Paul pre- Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus in Ephesians 1 uh, says, he asks that the Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. He's not a wooden God. He's not a boring God. He's exciting, he's alive, and his word is alive as well. And it comes alive to us. When we become a Christian... We ask the Holy Spirit to give us insight into the character and nature of God as we read his word. As we apply it into our lives, we know we can't do it in our own strength. And we don't want to just have information, we want transformation. It's the Holy Spirit in line with the word of God that does that for us. He makes me want to do the things of God. He changes me to become more like him. 
And you know when it's happening because the words seem to leap off the, off the page when God is speaking. I've said to you before, I've been on the door and people say, oh, you know, it really spoke to me. And I think, well, I don't know, you know, did it? I don't know what's going on in their lives, but God does. And he uses the preaching of his word sometimes to tell people. I think I've said also before when Andrea, when I wasn't a Christian, I'd go to church, I'm trying to keep her happy. That's an ongoing um, situation. Um, and I used to go to church and I used to think her and the preacher were in kind of cahoots. So I thought, how does he know that? Why, when he says these words, it's, looking, it's like he's looking right at me and he knows what I've been up to. And I used to say to him, how do you, he goes, I haven't got a clue. And it happens to me on the door. I don't know everything. You may think I know half of what's going on in this church. I don't. I've got a great team of people around me that tend to and they help me a lot. But certainly not in everyone's lives, but God does. And he'll use his word, illuminated by the Holy Spirit, to do that. And that's when you know. I remember going, actually, uh, with Bernard, funny enough, to a CVM conference, Christian Viewpoint for Men, then it was called. Uh, Richard Merriam was running it. And they had a speaker there, an Anglican minister, who I quite like, uh, called Rico Tice. And uh, he's quite self-deprecating. Everyone's calling him Tico Rice. Um, But um, it's not. It's Rico Tice. And at the time, John Stott, the great evangelical leader, was still leading... All Souls Langham Place, and, and uh, Rico was his associate, so he's, um, he was a good person to have speaking at the CVM conference. And his first evening was what we'd call the graveyard shift. Um, that wasn't his sermon title, um, and it didn't deserve that title. I found it really, really quite good. But the reason I say that is because we travelled to Coventry during the afternoon. We'd done a few bits and pieces there. We got into our room, and we've had dinner, um, three-course dinner, very nice, and, you know, the eyelids are going, or Bernard's were, because I was probably talking to him. And, and, and then Rico, they said, we've, got, we've just got Rico, he's, he's just going to take this session, it's not long, it's 45 minutes. Oh, you know, I'm really tired. And, um, and he got up, and he started preaching this sermon, and I was on the edge of my seat. Uh, for me, I was still quite a young Christian then, and I just felt God speaking to me through the whole sermon. I'm thinking, I'm looking around, thinking, why, aren't, why isn't everybody else really? You know, he could have gone on forever. And when he sat down, he'd actually preached for 50 minutes, and I wished he hadn't stopped. It was so powerful, and I was scribbling notes down, and I felt God speaking to me. It was brilliant. And I came home, and I said to Andrea, I've got to get the videos. That's how long ago it was. Couldn't stream it. There was no iPhones. I said, we've got to get the videos. And it took, I went on and on about, you know, Tico, uh, Rico Tice. And, and I said, it's amazing. I went to, by then I'd started Spurgeon's, and I was, I was saying, you've got to hear this guy. And everyone's going, what are you talking about? And finally, after six months, the videos came through. I said, Andrew, and I've built him up to this big thing. I said, we've got to look at these videos. And I played them, and they were boring. <laughs> I mean, all due respect to Rico Tays, I'm a, he's a hero to me. He really preaches the gospel. He's a great evangelist. Um, but when I, when I replayed the video, I thought, that's nothing like what I felt at the time. And it was the Holy Spirit on that evening bringing his word, God's word, through Rico, alive to me. It was, it was for me. It probably, I'm sure it's for other people as well. And you look at, if you go on the God channel, I don't do it often, um, but sometimes you get the old Billy Graham crusade, you know, Haringey, 1950-something. Um, and he preaches a pretty plain gospel. I mean, just, just the gospel. And there's no real bells and whistles. He just preaches the gospel. But the gospel, the word of God, with the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, saw thousands of people on a very simple message. I'm not disrespecting Billy Graham at all. I'm just 
trying to highlight that it's the Holy Spirit in the Word of God. Word and Spirit together that makes it powerful. I thought it was an okay sermon, pretty average. But God, the Holy Spirit, took it and made it so much more. And thousands of people came down over the years and were converted. And you'll know when you hear preaching, you'll know when God speaks to you. And I'm not putting myself in there caliber at all but I know that God works miracles because I know sometimes I don't preach well and somehow God uses the sermon and he changes lives it's amazing we have to understand that in the context of cultivating a spirit-filled life the Lord himself promises to give us wisdom and revelation especially when we're reading his word and I'd ask you to ask for those scriptures maybe you want to check it out but ask God with confidence to give you words not about guesswork or coincidences. Most times when I've ignored him, somebody else speaks the same scripture. I think, oh, I had that. And if I stand up now and say that, they're just going to think I've made it up, so I leave it. And I think I missed it. God speaks, God speaking, the Spirit of God at work. And we need time as a church, and you need time as individuals to spend time in his word, asking him to speak to you, discerning his plans for us, and then committing to them. Ask him and expect him to, uh, to speak. Test them if you need to. Speak to a Christian friend or a leader. Discern. Maybe you have to share it and then believe it and do it. You know, the verse that's been given to us as a church since, I think well before I came, but certainly since I've been back, is from Isaiah 43, 18. See, I am doing a new thing. It keeps coming back to us again and again. It's almost laughable how it comes back. And then I look at, I've just been pondering the last two and a half years, and look, we've, we've got a new children's worker in training. We have to drop that in training bit at some point. Uh, we've had new growth. We've had new members. We've had new enthusiasm. You had a new senior pastor. We've just accepted or offered an invitation for a new associate minister. There's an air of positivity about the church. The members meeting on Wednesday, I was greatly encouraged because we have a lot of people away. We had 111 members there, which is incredible. And I was so blessed, and it was exciting. And we felt the presence of God's Spirit. Not only that, over 40 people who couldn't come emailed or called the office just to let us know. And we worked it out roughly then. That's about three quarters of our members engaged with us about the members meeting. You know, if you want to look for a miracle, there's one right there. You know. <laughs> but isn't it encouraging? Because God says, see, I'm doing a new thing. And we're getting excited about all these new things because we believe that God has spoken to us and we're believing, it, believing him for it. But we also believe in him when he says, do not dwell on the past. You know, so we're not dwelling too much on what's gone on. We said on Wednesday that the church has been through a pretty bumpy road, but now a, we feel it's a time of blessing and of growth and of spiritual maturity. And part of that is opening ourselves up to the work, power and presence and person of the Holy Spirit. See, I am doing a new thing. Sometimes when I've been low or life's tough, I, I did share this last week, God has said to me, this, you're my son. And that's all I need to hear. I'm, I'm, I'm his son and he loves me. Other verses that have been given to us, and I had this one confirmed again last week. I walked in and, and I spoke to somebody, I don't think they're here, I spoke, oh, sorry, um, I spoke to somebody, I said, you know, I really felt God say to me, uh, from Joshua 1, be bold, be courageous, and she said, I can't, that, that's what I was just about to tell you. It's confirmation. So I will be bold, and I will be courageous, and so can you be, because that is God's word to us. And we will get to that promised land. So I want to encourage you once again, own your Bible. You can pick up a church Bible uh, any Sunday morning. That's fine. If, we, if you have to keep uh, picking them up on the way, we need to get more Bibles, we'll get them. But I would encourage you to get your own Bible. And if you're not sure what version, ask me and I'll give you some direction.
bring it with you. Um, ask God all the time in your devotions, whether it's in church, whether it's right now, to speak to you through it, and you will. If sometimes during a, a, a service you feel there is a, a piece of scripture that comes to mind, it probably is God, but you won't do any harm just reading it out. It's still God's word. There's no real downside. But as time goes on, let's be open and excited that God speaks to us today in many different ways, but in a, a lot of the time through his word. So if you do hear his voice or that prompting, share it. And I'd say to you now, as we, I'm going to ask the musicians to come back up, and they're going to play for a bit. And I want to pray uh, for the Holy Spirit to come and just really minister among you. And it may be there's no scripture to share, or it might be there is. Um, I'm, I'm not hung up on that at all. I just want to pray for you to be equipped and that you'd be open to the Holy Spirit and ask him to speak to you. And if they're only going to play quietly, and if you feel there is a piece of scripture, just call it out. Edify the church. Edify your brothers and sisters. Uh, if it's something more personal, see one of us after. But let's be open to God, the God who speaks. This is exciting. God is real, and he speaks, and he'll speak through his word. Just if you're hearing the word of God preached, and you think something's there for the church, speak it out. And you can do that under, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We can do that this morning. We can do it at other services. We can do it privately. Um, or if you feel it's personal, then you can come speak to me after. But we want to see the Word and the Spirit together, not, not equally on their own. There's a saying that we used to say here, which I'm going to finish on now. And we used to say, it's great having our hands in the, in the air, but we have to have our feet on the ground as well. So let's be a church of hands in the air, feet on the ground, grounded in his truth, but being willing to let the Holy Spirit illuminate it to us. So I'm just going to pray for you. And uh, I just want to leave some time while they, they play. And, and call out, if you've got one, call out a piece of scripture. And let's start encouraging one another and having confidence. Be bold. Be courageous. Have I not commanded you, God has said, to us time and time again as a church. See that God is doing a new thing. And I believe he's, going to, he's pouring out his spirit as we speak. It's just opening. Off. We've, we've felt it. We want more of it. So let me pray for you. And as they play, um, we, you can share. I'll leave some time. And then after that, we'll stand and uh, begin uh, to finish our service in an atmosphere of worship and gratitude. So, Father, I thank you for your word. We thank you for Jesus. And we thank you, Lord, that when he went to be with you again, he did not leave us as orphans. He sent us the Spirit, the paraclete, the counsellor, the one who comes alongside, the comforter, the one that leads us into all truth. And we've heard from your word this morning, and Lord, we're in your word. We want to be uh, people that uh, are saturated by your word and your spirit. And I pray, Lord, now that as we just uh, uh, sit and the music is playing, uh, that, um, that if we've got a scripture on our hearts that we believe is of you, that we'd call out scripture and encourage one another in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>